Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. There's no place to escape to. This is the last podcast. On the left. (laughs) That's when the cannibalism started. Good with our vocal warm-up. This is a child's voice. Ugh. You're supposed to talk in a child's voice to warm up your voice because it's vulnerable. Please. You were molested. Please do not start the show with something that annoying. Child's voice makes <laughs> you feel vulnerable. All right, welcome to the show, everyone. This is the last podcast on the left. I'm Ben Kissel. That's Marcus Parks. Hi, Don't- my name is Ethor. I'm from the Sphere Alliance. I hope you're ready for my... Blue arms, because they'll make you feel true freedom. If this is the first time you're listening to the show, he's never done that accent before. Hi, my name's Henry Sabrowski. Stop it! All right, so today we're talking about the secret space program. Well, this is unbelievable. If you can't handle that voice, if you can't handle the child's voice, you are not going to enjoy the rest of this program. Don't say that. Secret space program. Where to begin? All the way at the beginning of total bullshit. <laughs> Let's go way back. Um, this is a this is one of those classic kind of like Hollow Earth or Hollow Moon, where um, in order to really believe that there is a secret space program, in order to believe like the many layers of conspiracy that can be peeled back in this story, you have to be very emotionally damaged. <laughs> I thought you were going to say stoned. I mean, absolutely. Well, stoned is more than you're you're going to have fun with it. Like if oh, you're right. stoned right now, which you fucking better be, because if you're not, fucking quit. Quit your job. Quit your family. Unless Buy some weed. Unless you're driving, in which yes. case, sober up real quick. Yeah, yeah, get some Sprite. Yeah. <laughs> That's what sobers you. Um, but this is the basic about the idea that there is an entire space program happening outside of the normal space program th- that is created by NASA. Never a straight answer. Uh, <laughs> right? If you ever want to believe them. Also, what I like to see, when you look up secret space program in YouTube, you see so many different uses of the word NASA with NASA with the S spelled as the dollar sign. Oh, like NASA was a rapper? Yes. Cool. <laughs> or like NASA's the greedy one. Oh. NASA's the problem. Oh, the scientist who worked really hard to get space exploration, uh, you know, more in the forefront of uh, government policy. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Those fucking assholes. <laughs> oh, I Those see. greedy mazes. <laughs> That's right. Um, but the, so the idea is that there is a gigantic fleet of uh, intergalactic, possibly, spaceships that are living either off-world in what they call breakaway civilizations, which are this possible, like, gigantic solar systems that are handmade by us where the elite live, or the idea that they're, like, but it also delves into esoteric things like, we didn't land on the moon, mm-hmm. because if we were to land on the moon, it's too crowded with alien space bases. 
bases it's for us to land. So you're telling me that there was a there's NASA was just like we're got to circle around the moon. It's too crowded right yeah, now. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're number 15. And, yeah, right here and around. No, no, no. See, that's the thing mm. is that we had we've actually been to the moon. We've been to the moon many, many times before to the secret moon bases, but we had to fake the moon landing because it was propaganda for the American people so we could feel better about the Russians breathing down our necks. But at the same oh. time we were already in bed with the Russians all on the moon having a fucking tiki party in the moon. Yeah. And it's out. Everybody's eating poi with mm. fucking draconians and the tall whites having a great time. And while we're down here just looking at dumb pictures of farty Neil Armstrong <laughs> saying his dumb shit with his big boots on. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> so our story begins as it has many a time before with the Nazis. Now let's take it all the way back to when your grandfather was right. <laughs> My grandfather? Oh, no. No, no hmm. but I can see why you would think that, He Dan. was right at the time. You know what I mean? In yeah. the context of it, if you, in an upside-down world, your grandfather was completely right. Yeah. Um, but no, this is, so let's start with the Thule Society, which, as we remember when we covered Nazis and the occult, the Thule Society was a group of mystics that wanted to bring Germany back to its glory days by the use of draconian magic. They were talking to aliens. They chose Hitler as their dude to come forward and, like, help their their... For some reason, they needed a guy, a human man, to come in and, and push their domestic policies right. here on the planet Earth. So the Draconians came down and they said, give us your dumpy one who looks like he has to shit. <laughs> but we want his stuff. We want the one with the comb over who speaks like he's yelling. <laughs> Isn't that right, Claus? <laughs> Interesting choice. Actually, I was thinking we should get a funny black one. One that will entertain the masses like that wonderfully gregarious Sinbad. Yeah. <laughs> What if we just make him a house guest instead? Yes, we put that song, wonderful song, Brick House, into it, and he will teach a white family how to have fun again. Well, thank you. I actually kind of like the Draconians. Um, but the, so that's the idea. So Thule Society came forward and said that we, we're going to get, we're going to teach you the ways of our our intergalactic space flight. That's how the Germans had their own Area Fifty One with the, with their UFO planes. I think they're called Bell planes. Oh, uh, and there yeah. was like, so they have. In the end, we don't know if that's real or not because what's real or not. Anyway, if it comes down to fucking reality, guys, just think about it. Or check yourself. Totally. Highway. The highway system. That is real. So it starts there. So at, so a couple years later, six million Jews died. <laughs> After that, right, we split up these Nazi scientists with Operation Paperclip. The United States of America got a bunch of them. And Russia got a bunch of them, right? And so what happened was is that we started working on our own separate space, pro- our own separate space programs. Quote, unquote, separate space programs. Yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot of quote unquote today. I know it. <laughs> and that there was a secret collusion among those that still believed in the Thule Society rules that they were, and they were talking to draconians, and they were building an, a, an actually joint United States Russian secret space program that would go off and do many a space adventure. That we're going to cover a couple of things today, like Valley and Thor, and we're going to talk about what Gary McKinnon found, but also that somewhere in this whole thing, Serpo's in there. Mm. Serpo, the planet Serpo. Yes, you remember the trip to the planet. Serpo when we did the exchange with the aliens mm-hmm. that's in there too <laughs> Valiant Thor does sound like a porn star who just doesn't stop coming ever yeah. oh, 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 oh. <laughs> so yes if you are wearing glasses put little quotation marks on the side of your frames right now just so you really understand it's just uh, I understand why we don't trust space yeah right space is big space is black <laughs> <laughs> what 
Are you hands up? I don't. What you am I supposed shadow. to say now? No, he means shadowy. Oh, I see. All right, he means yeah. shadowy. Yeah, I don't. I don't mean like space is African American. <laughs> oh, Jesus okay. Christ! But actually, that's like a fun Sun Ra album title. Listen to Marcus's music show. <laughs> But the idea is that so they believe that there's a lot more going that there are technology that the United States and Russia is hiding that was created based off on alien technology. Yeah. They also believe that that not only is space too dangerous to go into. That's really the big theory about the reason why this there is a secret space program is because radiation is too powerful right outside of the planet Earth that we need alien technology to even survive it. Right. So I mean, it, it seems like the base is true though that we did get mo- most of our technology from. Um Scientists from German scientists. That's and completely like that. yeah. true. Right. Werner Braun was a, was a total Nazi, and how Operation Paperclip changed his bio, which I love, which is true, is that he was listed as an ardent Nazi, and the way they changed it was put in a not. <laughs> they said not an ardent Nazi. <laughs> oh, that's very interesting. <laughs> which seems hiding in plain sight. And so the idea is that part of it also, and then another part of the reason why people don't trust our space program is because nobody really believes in the idea of we gave forty billion dollars to a bunch of Nazis to create our space program. Which is actually the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, they took V2 technology that they were working on with the Germans, and then when they brought that over here, V2 technology turned into space shuttle technology. I mean, if Hitler wasn't so concerned about getting covered in dookie, maybe he could have refocused and won that war. Yeah. It's like how we turned Native American children into rugs. That's not nice, though. That's not nice, That wasn't though. nice. That wasn't nice. Yeah. That was terrible. Now, let's go from the Nazis to President Dwight D. Eisenhower. Not a short leap. What? <laughs> it is a short leap. I'm a big Dwight fan, Marcus. You're going to ruin it for me? Absolutely not. Okay. I love Dwight D. Eisenhower. He spoke out against the military-industrial mm-hmm. complex. Because his back was against the wall because he'd already let it go too far. We'll talk about Rain it in. Now, Dwight D. Eisenhower was the first U.S. leader to come into direct contact with aliens. And while we're all well aware of the treaty he signed with the Greys in which technology was exchanged for alien probing rights on humans, specifically (laughs) Americans... That was not Eisenhower's first experience with alien life forms. I do want to be in there for the negotiations of the probing rights. Someone just holds up like a nine-inch probe. He's like, is this okay? You have to seven-inch probe. Seven-inch probe. This is, don't know. I'm let me. i your lawyer. Let me speak. Let me speak. Okay. okay. Gotta, gotta seven-inch clip. Don't listen. If we let these people push us around, we're not going to get anything from them. They want to argue. They want to commit. Okay. Right. <laughs> now, 20 Eisenhower's first meeting with the extraterrestrial beings supposedly took place while he was vacationing in Palm Springs on February 20th, 1954, when, as he was enjoying dinner, he was whisked away to nearby Edwards Air Force Base for a meeting with the Tall Nords. Big Whites. Now, question, I will put a little caveat slash asterisk to his first encounter with aliens. Please do. Because apparently in 1952, there was a gigantic UFO buzz around the White House. It's like there was a, there was a many UFO sightings above the White House, and what people believe is that that was... Now follow me on this. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> The Nazis that were still around called the, the the Nazis that were still around calling themselves the Fifth Column. They were working in Antarctica as a part of their gigantic secret space program. Antarctica, right? and that of course p- plays into our Hollow Earth episode. If and you Serpo. Talk, and Serpo, of course. <laughs> 
That's where the yeah. that's where the Nazis hit. Yeah, and Antarctica's right there next to South America, so they can call up Mangala anytime they want. And he's just like, mm. Oh, Falo, let me finish his pina colata first. He's <laughs> like, Oh, he is always parting. Um he comes so apparently what that was was that they were it was UFOs, but it was Nazi made UFOs that had come from Antarctica to show up at the White House to pressure Eisenhower to see we've got the technology, we've we're powered by Vril and the Fool Society. We're gonna use these UFOs to zoom up into intergalactic space because that's where we're going to find our white heaven, which I believe is called Mungadunga. It's some, it's some <laughs> weird name. Weird. It's called like, uh, no, it's called Alderbaran. Oh, I thought it was called Ho-Chunk Casino. <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, and Eisenhower then apparently had to uh, let them into the uh, private industry. It was basically the, the, when the Nazis joined the U.S. government to start creating rocketry program, they then slowly worked into like Lockheed and Martin and like so all these various private corporations that became the heads of them. They're superpower celestial beings and he just gave them a job? Yeah, pretty yeah. much. I mean, there were already Nazis in American industry. Henry Ford was a big supporter sure. of uh, Adolf Hitler. Uh, George Prescott Bush. Oh. Jesus Christ. Now, that guy was a Nazi. Even in the Coneheads, he needed paperwork. <laughs> That's In true. order to work, you can't be an illegal alien. They wanted to do it legally. Yeah. And Coneheads, that movie definitely made me look very skeptically at everyone eating in a subway. Yes. Oh. I make sure they eat those sandwiches real slow. And since the molestation scandal, it <laughs> yeah. happened again. That's right. Um. But uh, Natalie, I kept telling, rattling this at Natalie as she was about to go to sleep. And then she was like, eventually she would turn to me and she was just like, why didn't the aliens just attack? Like, why this didn't they just, why didn't the ships just show up and just attack everybody? And I was like, sweet, sweet little girl. <laughs> you don't understand. I just love, she's just like, she had that sentence in her head for like five minutes. And she's like, I can take it a little bit longer before I completely derail everything that he's talking about. And then finally she's like, I need to sleep now. Why didn't they attack, Henry? Now, wait. <laughs> and that's oh. the only response you can give. Now, if I remember correctly, you babbling about bullshit like this was what ended your last relationship, But it's what's right? making his current relationship. Stronger. It is. We so. started making out after watching an alien documentary. There you go. It's yeah. gotta work. It wasn't like she was bored and wanted to distract you or anything. I'll take it. Wow. <laughs> now, back to Eisenhower and Palm Springs. Now, while of course the government denies that anything strange happened in Palm Springs on February 20th, 1954. <laughs> now you're just making a fart noise. No, there no. is evidence that something strange went on, for the president did indeed go missing on that very night, and the press mm. had a field day, speculating that the president had either fallen ill or worse, had died, which was much more common among presidents back then than it is now. You know, FDR just died. But he also was debilitated with a back-bending disease. (laughs) We all agree that Eisenhower was the only person on the beach just wearing tidy whities and black socks. (laughs) He was the most, he was the president most covered in powder. Yes, I agree. (laughs) Now that story that the president had fallen ill or had died even made it to the press wire, but the White House quickly put an end to the rumor before it got out of hand. According to White House Press Secretary James Haggerty, the president, while enjoying a nice dinner of fried chicken, Mm. had accidentally knocked a cap off his tooth and had to be rushed to a local dentist for treatment. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had many a cap shaken loose by all manner of foodstuffs, and I've waited weeks before doing anything about it. You're a dirt person, (laughs) and that is the president. Right. 
<laughs> you know, it's not an emergency. You don't have to do with that. You can wait. Uh, what I'm saying is you can wait till the morning. No, you're the president. You've got to do the people's duty. You need to have a full set of teeth. Yeah, you can't have a jagged jantical lantern <laughs> smile like you do. He's president. He's got to be on television. Yeah. See, and that's the thing is that, okay, so yeah. Sure. Let's say that he went to the dentist. Last what if night. instead it was just like his, like they cut to him and he has just got, he's got a dildo accidentally shoved all the way uh, down his neck while he's hanging upside down from his fucking hangers in his closet. Maybe the dentist was a term that he had for his prostitute. <laughs> if, I ever, if I ever get enough clout to have a side, uh, a side piece, is uh, that what they're called? Six months already, huh? Bring in the dentist. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so let's just say that he went to the dentist. Here's something strange mm. about that. When the widow of the dentist was interviewed in 1979, she had no recollection of the event when she was talked to by UFO researchers. But the evening after the interview at a local steak fry, the widow had no trouble whatsoever recounting the time that her husband put a cat back on the president's tooth. So you're saying 25 years before that she had no problem. You mean the night afterwards she had no problem no, recollecting that No, 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 no. The happened. night after in 1979, the night after the interview. See, that's the thing is that dudes were interviewing her in 1979 but then the next day at the fish fry or the steak fry, she was like, oh yeah, I remember when the president got the... It could be that someone got a hold of her. Someone said... You better fucking remember when that cap got knocked off. Or she's an old woman <laughs> desperate for attention because her children won't speak to her. Yeah, maybe it was a little uh, Alzheimer's. Thing. I still matter. <laughs> I saw the president. He had his head. His head was removed and replaced with the beaver's head. Oh, most miraculous it was. Are you my son? <laughs> It's illegal to lie at a steak fry, so that's true. <laughs> that is true, because you're just covered in schlitz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Now, even more interestingly, there is no record whatsoever of the president having such a dental procedure during his vacation, despite there being records of everything else that happened in Palm Springs, mm. right down to how many golf invitations the president received that week. These things are meticulously uh, documented. Why? Because he's the president. People just like to know what the president's up to. Yeah. I'd be like, quit writing shit down. Yeah. Sometimes I just want to do something weird and I just like fart into a bucket and stick my head into it. There's a lot of documentation about Ronald Reagan rubbing peanut butter on his left hand, jelly on his right hand, and he called it a hand sandwich. <laughs> and he would try to eat it. And then they had to pull his hand from his nom, mouth. Nom, nom, yeah. nom, nom. Well, tell Nancy that once I have my once I've made my hand sandwich, I'm gonna need a glass of milk. And then she starts squirting milk into a fucking out of her breasts into a glass. <laughs> now there was one witness to President Eisenhower's meeting with the tall Nords, but unfortunately that witness was a man from Hollywood named Jerry Light who said in a letter to the California Metaphysical Organization that he had attended the meeting through an out-of-body experience which he considered a logical extension of reality and should be treated as such. There's just so many artists who went to him for, like, career advice. And it was just like, can you be my manager? Listen, you don't need appointments to the audition. You need to think yourself into the audition. <laughs> now, Eisenhower had two more meetings with aliens. And while I'm sure you already know about the treaty meeting, you probably don't know. And if you don't, fucking shut off the podcast for one second. Look up Treaty of Gaeta. Educate yourself. Of course. If you're even going to get this far, you should already have done the homework. Well, let's not assign homework to the listeners here. <laughs> I think keep the podcast on. Well, that's the thing is that you know about the first and second meetings now, but you probably don't know about the third in which Eisenhower was introduced to a Venusian 
named Valiant Thor. Now, is it Venusian or is it Venusian? I think it's whatever your heart wants. Thank yeah. you. I say Venusian. I like Venusian. Venusian? Yes. I mean, it's a little fancier. See? Yeah, but- Venusian sounds like someone who's going to slowly poison you through soup. <laughs> sure. Okay. Now, almost all of what we know about Valiant Thor comes from Dr. Frank Strangis, a committed Christian who claimed to have been close personal friends with Valiant Thor until Frank's death in 2008. Now, what do we know about single-source stories about aliens that have met the president? There's no way they're not true. Absolutely. (laughs) The strangest was, in his lifetime, the founder and chief figurehead of the National Investigations Committee on Unidentified Flying Objects, a.k.a. Nick UFO, which still operates to this day. I'm going to put this out there. If you're going to start a brand new UFO outfit, I'm going to call it outfit. If you're going to start a brand new UFO outfit at this point in time, make it an acronym that it spells a word. Make it... (laughs) Spell a word. I kind of like Nick Ufo. No, Nick, Nick, look at Nick what you're Ufo. doing. Nick you, Ufo. No, you got an emo sound band. like morons. Yeah, it's like Beefro or Gabfro. How's about Gab? Gabfro's pretty good. That was dumb. <laughs> Nick that was- Ufo. I'm yeah. Nick Ufo, and I'm here to tickle your balls. <laughs> Nick Ufo sounds like a guy you don't want dating your daughter. No, definitely not. <laughs> now, Nick Ufo is somewhat shrouded in a curious kind of secrecy, saying they're accepting no new members, which runs completely antithetical to the policies of most UFO societies who are desperate for new members. Actually, that is very suspicious. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because most UFO societies are desperate for new members and cash and will do anything for money. Literally anything. Yeah. I'm pretty certain I could get, I I, I could get to what's his name's Dr. Stephen Greer. He'd show me his asshole for $75. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Pretty cheap. Now, Strangest himself, outside of Nick Ufo, was also a prolific author in the self-publishing world, having written The UFO Conspiracy, Millennium 7, Spacecraft Over Earth, Saucerama, and, of course, (laughs) the book that covers Valiant Thor, Stranger at the Pentagon. And Saucerama is also the Barefoot Contessa's new book, so check that out. <laughs> oh, yeah. and yeah, and Stranger at the Pentagon is a, it was also an erotica novel written by what's his name? The guy the last general. Oh, uh, yes. Uh, Petraeus? Uh, yes. Petraeus. General yeah. Petraeus. Stranger at the Pentagon. <laughs> and it's about him sitting on his own hand and giving himself a hand job. Right. My sister is the best gift giver I've ever met of any person. It's Jackie Zabrowski. She shops all year thinking about her family and friends and puts little things aside for their birthdays and Christmases. I have no idea how she does it. I don't know how she do it, but guess what? She always wins Mother's Day, but not this year. I'm coming back. Ready to win Mother's Day and cement your reputation as the best gift giver in the family? I'm taking the crown. All right, give the moms in your life an Aura digital picture frame preloaded with decades of family photos. I mean this. We have the Aura frame up in my home. We absolutely love it. I can put photos on it very, very easily through the app. It's fun to do. And the memories keep cycling and I get emotional. And we filled it with pictures of Carmi and Wendy. And that is not sad. That is celebratory. So you should try it. It's honestly a really good product. Right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A-Frames.com. Use code LEFT at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It says here I have to talk about something I need to get off my chest, and I guess I can share it here. 
I eat mayonnaise for fun. It's a hobby of mine. And it's an addiction. And it's a daily weight on my life. How much I need whipped egg whites and oil crammed into my veins. As soon as I wake up, and a lot of people carry around a lot of different stressors, big and small. Some people are presidents. Some people are soldiers. Some people have to eat mayonnaise, especially with hard-boiled eggs, which is what I eat for lunch. But I guess I should share that in therapy. Because therapy is a safe place to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. And what I do is I just add eggs if I have mayonnaise left over. I just continue to add the eggs. But if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. I hope they can help me. My God. I hope they can help me. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash LastPod today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp! H-E-L-P dot com slash LastPod. One in five Americans have learned a new language on their bucket list. If that's you, make 2024 the year you finally check it off the list with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors. It's a waste. Don't waste hours on apps. Besides appetizers, that's the kind of apps I like. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Did you know that empanada is already Spanish? I didn't. Thanks, Babbel. Did you know that burrito is already Spanish? Wow. I just got to learn all the rest. And eventually, I'm going to be eating downtown Mexico. Thanks, Babbel. Here's a special limited time deal for our listeners. Right now, get 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners at babbel.com slash left. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com slash left, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash L-E-F-T. Rules and restrictions may apply. So who is this mysterious man known as Valiant Thor? Well... On March 16, 1957, Valiant, one of the finest leaders of the planet Venus. Yeah, this is what he called himself. The so. fi- yeah, I mean, this is all something, because uh, all we know about the planet Venus is what this Venusian told us. Valiant, one of the finest leaders of the planet Venus, was commanded by the Venusian Council's central control to travel to Earth to make contact with the Earth peoples. Valiant was said to resemble humans. But according to all accounts, but mostly the account of Frank Strangis, Valiant was much more handsome than any human could ever be. Hmm. Seems subjective to Frank. (laughs) Yes. Another thing Strangis got hung up on was the texture of Valiant Thor's skin. Here's what he had to say about their very first meeting. He told me his name was Valiant Thor. He grabbed my hand. His hand was skin soft as a lady's or a baby's skin, but it was a grip of a man. Now, it was said... He was also purple. Uh, (laughs) That's actually the truth, too, is that he was slightly purple, but he wore a suit that made him look not so purple. Wait, so, like, no, like, but I mean, by all accounts that I've read, he wore, like, human clothing. But he had a suit on underneath the human clothing. Like Superman? 
like Valiant Thor. <laughs> so is this just a color scheme that made him look less purple? I think that's what it was that he uses huh. like like contouring. Yeah. You know they say I think he's a summer. Oh. And then he wore winter colors in order to balance his summer complexion. Well, that would make sense. Purple is the color of royalty, is it not? It is. Interesting. Okay. I will answer my own question on that one. Now, it was said that Valiant could speak all Earth languages, including local dialects. For example, not only could he speak French, but if prompted, he could presumably speak in the manner of a Parisian, a Haitian, or a Cajun Creole. I can definitely speak in any sort of dialect that you ask me to. Uh, so you just just spit them out and uh, let me uh, let me speak for them. A little French. We're gonna need French. Oh, Zutelo. I like soup. <laughs> I like soup. I like bread. I am human. <laughs> I am definitely human. But let's say bet like Parisian. You're uh, from Paris. Ah, uh, uh, baguette, baguette. I love soup. I am human. I am not from Venus. Oh, okay, Haiti. Ah, uh, mm, voodoo. Ah, uh, child. <laughs> child, I make a goat stew for you, child. Uh, I am human. I am certainly not from Venus. Yeah, let's go like not too far away. Cajun Creole. Ah, uh, gumbo. Have yourself a bit of a crawdad, my friend. You are my friend. <laughs> I am a friend to you and the human race because I am a human. I am not from Venus. You know what, Marcus? It checks out. Flawless. <laughs> wow. Flawless. Now, you might be saying right now, Marcus, if Valiant is from Venus... Then why have we, despite there being numerous probes and landers, never discovered such a civilization? Mm -hmm. The answer is simple. They live within the planet itself. Well, this is what we talked about when we talk about the, our bunker system and our gigantic mm -hmm. underground, like when we, we covered Dulce, is that <laughs> if you want to hide something, you put it underground. So if the Venusians right. are obviously way more advanced than us, then of course they would live underground. Yeah, they're more intelligent, more attractive, and less violent than humans. Quit bragging, first of <laughs> yeah. all, Ven Venusians. Well, this is what, I mean, this is all what Frank Strange just said, but of course this is second M from Valiant Thor. Valiant Thor is coming down and saying, Hey, we're smarter, we're hotter, and we're not as violent as you fuckers. Well, we got Tupperware, rap, and weed. <laughs> sort of like, yes, that's true. Uh, so sort of how ants live, that's how they live. They just build a little city down there. Yeah, I mean, they have a hmm. high council rather than a queen. It seems like it's more of a, a collective than it is a, a monarchy or a, a democracy. It seems like a squat, weird man wrote it in the fashion of a, a fantasy novel. <laughs> yeah, and high councils never work. They're always arguing with each other and nothing gets done. And a lot of pointy hats and scepters. Yeah. Who's cleaning the scepters? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but also this is a part of, if we want to go into a more modern version of the secret space program, or is it stuff like we never went to the moon, right? It's just like so we the, the moon landing was staged, but we do have a space station on Venus, and this is true. And somebody like Corey Good, who we're oh. going to cover later, who is a real whistleblower, certainly not fake. He's definitely <laughs> saying things. He's a real human being. Saying he words. says that he was kidnapped from his family at the age of six and surgically altered so that he could live on Venus, and that we have a whole colony of astronauts that live on Venus and they're just hanging out there as a part of the people that are protecting us from. What or who or when? It's <laughs> a good point. Wait, so he was surgically altered at six. Did they ever take him to Venus or did they just leave him here on Earth with the surgical alterations made? I don't think he was tall enough <laughs> yeah. to go to Venus. It sounds like he was adopted and his, and his uh, new family gave him a circumcision. Yes. <laughs> Could be. Venusian haircut. Oh, is that what it's called? <laughs> so in 1957, Thor and his crew of 200 Venusians landed on planet Earth outside of Alexandria, Virginia. Unfortunately for Val, 
the first people that he came into contact with happened to be two police officers oh. who were very quick to draw their weapons on the Venusian. Nothing's changed much, huh? <laughs> not at all. I guess purple counts as not white in this country. It's sad. But a quick thought transference convinced the officers that Valiant Thor posed no danger and that they should, naturally, take him to their leader. So they shape-shifted in front of the cops, and they were just like, oh, that's fine? No, 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 thought transference. Oh, I see. He did a thought transference to the cops and said, hey, I'm an all right dude. Take me to the president. Hello, my name is Valiant, which is a synonym for brave. Uh, (laughs) I'm not from Venus. I am from Wisconsin. (laughs) My cousin's Uh, from Wisconsin, Vito. This guy's actually pretty good. I am from Wisconsin. That is for certain. Tell me, what is food? (laughs) Food is the thing I eat way too much of, and then my wife gets yells, yells at me. <laughs> yeah, you're a good guy. <laughs> Lady cop, show me your breasts. <laughs> <laughs> and so these two beat cops drove Valiant to Washington, D.C., where they somehow got a meeting with the Secretary of Defense okay. and six of his staff members. It's unclear how that happened. Because his own special brand of positive thinking, which we're going to talk about. Exactly. Right. Now, before long, word spread, and every agency showed up fighting over who should have the privilege to escort the alien to the president. But Valiant needed no escort for using what Strange has called, quote, his own version of the power of positive thinking. Wow. Valiant was able to walk past all security posts in search of President Eisenhower. I think that's what the guy who jumped over the uh, the White House fence was thinking also <laughs> recently. <laughs> Just used his, the power of positive thinking. Positive thinking! <laughs> positive thinking! It kind of worked. Now, when Thor finally found the president after much wandering, Eisenhower was waiting and completely unfazed, offered his hand in greeting and said... I have a good feeling toward you. Where do you come from, you tall, purple, handsome bastard? (laughs) (laughs) To which Thor replied, I come from the planet your Bible calls the morning and evening star, Vinus. Your soup, Mr. Eisenhower? Mm, Let me try that for you. This is terrible blood. (laughs) (laughs) And who should appear in the Oval Office at that very moment... But then Vice President Richard M. Nixon. Millhouse. <laughs> but he did come out and say he was just like, Valiant seems like a good guy and it's nice to have him as a part of the cabinet. <laughs> Man, Eisenhower, Valiant, and Nixon. Just this what is, a room. What a room. My God. It just missed like Dean Martin and then you got like Don Rickles yeah, exactly. coming in there. Now, Val later said that he found Nixon to be sharp and quick-witted with, quote-unquote, fixed eyes. It seems like this was just written by someone who voted for Nixon. (laughs) And after the three settled in, Val went on to explain that Earth had been under surveillance for hundreds of years, not, as many people believe, just since our development of the atomic bomb, because, of course, UFO sightings skyrocketed after we dropped the Mm. bomb on the Japanese. And some people think that that is what finally got the attention of the intergalactic community because they thought, holy shit, these people now finally have the power to destroy themselves, so we'd better hop in here. Mm, That makes a lot of sense. Doesn't it, though? It does. Henry, 
I, you know, I actually have a whole, well, technically you've been visited by aliens since the beginning of humankind or before humankind. And technically we were created by 22 variants of human-like creatures and also 22 variants of non-human-like creatures that are all part of the Intergalactic Committee, which you're going to find out when we read from Corey Good's website, thespherealliance.com. Oh, okay, good. <laughs> technically. Technically. Now, in this meeting between Val, Nixon, and Eisenhower, Thor explained that he was there to usher in a new era in human history. He produced a plan that would remove all hunger and all disease on planet Earth, a proposition to which the president said he'd have to think about it. He'd have to think about it. Literally, he had the opportunity to fix everything. And instead, (laughs) he just was like, well, we just got to keep pumping out TV shows where the wife and the husband don't sleep in the same bed. It's kind of (laughs) funny, and the wife is a bit of a patriarch, but the mom's trying to get a job. (laughs) I mean, just give the guy some rice. Isn't that the answer to this? I mean, give who some rice? Give the world rice. (laughs) Give the world rice? That will stop hunger. I never understood that. That's carbs, and carbs are bad. Oh, come on. And you know what, Ben? If you listen to the last episode of Abe Lincoln's Top Hat. I was on it. Yeah, I know you were on it. You said the exact opposite of that. You said said don't give the starving people rice. No, have the starving people create their own rice so then they can have their own economies instead of this poverty ink economy. You're saying just give them seeds? Rice seeds? They can (laughs) farm their own rice. Rice is great. You just can't give it for free because it deflates the market. Don't you can even just go me. get them now. Rice is a good thing. I ate a bunch of rice last night. I'm not sad. Don't even. It's not my. Mm. Well, after Val made the proposition to the president, he was escorted by the Secret Service to the Pentagon, where he was shown the furnished apartment where he would spend the next three years of his life. I, w- I wish I had known that the Pentagram does rent furnished places. Did you call the Pentagon the Pentagram? Oh, did I? Yes, <laughs> well, did. Yes. I Ooh, that's what we call a Freudian slip. You know something we don't. I know everything. <laughs> or is that too real for some people? Too real. <laughs> now, Val... Now, although they made every attempt to keep him under lock and key, Val was, through Venusian technology, able to teleport himself in and out of the suite whenever he pleased. Whatever. I love it. (laughs) After a while, it's been like, all right, Valiant, let's use a fucking door. All right, why don't we just plaster up the doors then? We're not going to be using the goddamn doors. You don't need them. Just sit in in a warm tub. (laughs) Well, they didn't even know that he was teleporting out because he could also fog minds. He could make the guards think that even though he wasn't in the room, he could project a sort of holographic image where they would think that, yes, there was Valiant Thor sitting there reading a book or something. You think I'm the most handsome man you've ever seen? And he really just looks like Danny DeVito. I'm sure he does. (laughs) Oh, we've seen pictures of him. He looks like a 50s goon. Yeah. He really does. I mean, so this is just what, like, trolls, now internet trolls, this is what they used to do previously before the internet. They it just, was all in their head. Yeah, they I mean, just write books. He'd write a book, and then he'd publish his own book. Think about how much harder that is. Right. You go from troll to novelist in a second. And this is self-publishing well before the era of self-publishing that we know today, which is relatively simple, right? Yeah. You just kind of write a long email and send it to yourself. Well, actually, I think his first book, I think Saucerama was published by a reputable company, or mm-hmm. let's say relatively reputable. I don't think he self-published that. But, you know, the, the later, he definitely self-published. Stranger at the Pentagon. This was handed out at bus stops. <laughs> yeah, the CEO of a publishing company that's just totally failing. They're like, we've got one more chance with one more book to make it. What do you got? Saucerama. <laughs> you know what I like about the exclamation point is that it promotes excitement. <laughs> Let's do it.
Now, in April of 1957, Val attended what some called a convention for UFO enthusiasts, but from what I can tell, it was more just a bunch of nerds hanging out in the backyard in New Jersey. Technically, uh, this is a UFO enthusiast conference sitting in the studio right now. Sure. Technically. I don't know. I think we need like two more and then we've got a conference. Ooh. It'd be nice if we had a lady Actually, and a dog. I, I, oh my God, get a dog. <laughs> we had a dog yeah. with a little UFO scarf oh, on. So cute. <laughs> He makes all the final decisions. Yeah. <laughs> but I secretly put peanut butter on all the labels of the things I want him to point towards mm. to make the decisions. <laughs> Trickery. No, it's at this UFO convention slash barbecue that the Venusian introduced three of his fellow crewmates named Don, Jill, and Tanya. Tanya! <laughs> yeah. And we know Don was there mostly for the barbecue. <laughs> yeah. I'm the Venusian chef. I make the goop that everybody eats. <laughs> and this is Tanya. She's the looker. <laughs> Hi, I'm Tanya. <laughs> now, according to reports, these three wore earth clothes rather than their regular Venusian attire so as to avoid looking out of place. Because you definitely don't want to be the fashion don't in a <laughs> world of UFO nerds in a backyard. <laughs> definitely not. And that Venusian clothing was strange indeed. It would have stood out. It was said that the Venusians dressed in a one-piece jumpsuit, right down to the boots. Like Hugo Chavez? Like No, like no. Hugo Chavez. One huge jumpsuit, because yeah. Hugo Chavez has boots on. This oh, was they had footsies. Oh, it was foot, yeah, onesies. Like giant wow. space babies. Mm. <laughs> yeah, and they said that the whole thing was held together by an invisible force. The suit had no cuffs, pockets, buttons, zippers, clips, or hooks, but it nonetheless fit every Venusian like a second skin. Like that dress J-Lo wore to the MTV Movie Awards oh, like 15 yeah. years ago. <laughs> That's a great reference. I love that dress. <laughs> and as far as the durability went, neither acid nor rifle, nor diamond drill, nor even a laser powered by a crystal synthetic ruby could pierce the fabric. All of which sound like tests made up by a moron. Definitely. Like, it's just all this stuff where he talks about, and Frank Strange just, like, writes about, like, the way they tested the suit. is being like, not even a diamond drill bit could cut through the suit. And it's just like, first of all, how'd they make the diamond drill bit? Right, they don't have it. I don't think, I don't think they use them. They totally use them. For what? Uh, oil. Cut, yeah, cutting diamonds. No, but <laughs> diamonds are not the hardest thing, right? Yeah, diamonds are the hardest no, thing. No, we have You're the girl's best now. friend. Yeah. No, they're a girl's best friend, <laughs> yeah. but not the hardest thing. You don't want Rambo as a best friend. No, no. Girl, diamond, diamond is the hardest thing. That's why girls like it. No, they have polymers <laughs> now that are, are harder than diamonds. Yeah, but this is 1957. They have polymers. <laughs> well, I just think they chose they they chose they chose objects that didn't have a round to prove that their suit was uh, very powerful. If someone just would have thrown an avocado at them, I bet you that would have penetrated. They threw it from the tallest building in the world, the Sears Tower, up to 27 flights of stairs. It fell. <laughs> <laughs> now back at the cookout, the UFO nerds. We're complaining quite a bit to Val and his crew about how they were treated like kooks by the press. Ugh. And Val was That's reportedly funny. very disappointed in all of these Earth journalists and encouraged the nerds to keep spreading the truth. <laughs> okay. He made D&D possible. Yes. I yeah, Gary it. Gygax was at this UFO convention. <laughs> he had, honestly, he had to have been. All right, this is one hell of a barbecue. The thing about this, so for UFO people, this is as cool as being at for, like the first Grateful Dead concert. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is with Valiant Thor. I mean, at this point, Valiant Thor, we, he was a celebrity in his own right. 
Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, Valiant Thor, yeah, they brought all these people together, and I don't really know who brought Valiant Thor. Uh that, they never really cover that because Frank Strangest wasn't at this meeting. He never says who brought Valiant Thor to the barbecue. God. Who was his plus one? Whoever it was saw the true Valiant Thor, which is a disheveled man, like desperate to try to get into the car. And I he think just it can't definitely it, out. it had to have been Don Rickles. Yeah, it I has think to he be. had to have been there. I assume he pops into most scenarios in between <laughs> 1949 and 1957. Certainly a barbecue. No, it was at this meeting of the minds that a, Again, a very loose term. For <laughs> this. They are technically that is technically. It was a meeting of the minds. There were mind. There were brains, literal physical brains in skulls there. <laughs> meeting. Yeah. Yeah. It was here that a photo would be taken of Valiant Thor and his companions, which is where our friend Dr. Frank Stranges physically comes into the story. See, Stranges wrote his first book, Sasarama, in 1959, and soon began giving talks at lecture halls and churches all across the country. And with every presentation Stranges gave, he always showed the picture of Valiant Thor that had been given to him by the photographer who took the picture two years before. Now, is this because mm-hmm. his fans and Frank Trangers himself are so semi-gross looking that they just believe that a man that is remotely handsome <laughs> is an alien? But he performed at churches, which is interesting because a lot of people think uh, if you know UFOs are proven to be real, then it'll completely uh, d- d- disravel, unravel Christianity. But not, not, not in this case. Huh? In fact, Frank Strangers, We'll get into that later. But Frank Stranges, it actually strengthened his commitment to Almighty God. People flip it and reverse it with that shit too, oh, because they yeah. believe that the God not only then made us, He made lots of many fun aliens, and they're here to tell us about Jesus. And if we tell Ugh. them about Jesus, then everything's going to be fine. Even though Jesus was a goddamn myth, and that's the yeah. first thing I can't wait for an alien to show up and be like, "You believe in what? <laughs> you believed in the David Blaine covered in dirt two thousand years ago? You moron!" <laughs> No, it was because of Frank Strange just showing the photograph at all of his lectures that Valiant Thor made contact on Christmas week 1959, two years after Val landed. Now, Frank Strange, as we said, was a committed Christian, hence the lectures at the churches. And as it turned out, Val had a thing for Christians for reasons that will soon be revealed. Hmm. See, the only person at the Pentagon that Val truly trusted was a woman who went by the alias Nancy Warren. Now, when Nancy approached Dr. Stranges at the National Evangelistic Center in Washington, D.C., Stranges had no idea who the person in the picture actually was. Stranges just knew that he was an alien. And when Nancy hmm. gave him the opportunity to meet the strange man in the photo, Strangest naturally jumped at the chance. He was told to be on the curb of his hotel at 8 a.m. sharp the next morning where a car would arrive to take him to a meet and greet oh. with Valiant Thor. If you guys got Tinder, you guys got to do this at least once. Tell a guy. If you're a woman, it'll be very easy for you to do. Right. 
tell a guy to meet him. You're, you're an alien. You want to have sex with him. Mm-hmm. You need to create a new breed of humankind. Meet me at, give him an address next to a highway. Find the worst place <laughs> in the world. Go park across the street in a rental car and just take lots and lots of pictures and then put it up on the Facebook page. <laughs> but don't do that. Baby. No, that's, that, that, that's cruel. It's that a cruel, cruel thing. But it'd be kind of fun, though. It'd be fun, but it's a cruel thing to do to a man. Well, because he would be such a sad man. He would be a, very, a man yeah. that needed to get laid that bad that he would believe that he would that he would say, I'll take a chance. You have to well, dress like a pirate. <laughs> yes. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Finding work-life balance can be tough, but Squarespace gives you the tools to reach your goals and have time to celebrate. Squarespace is the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. With the new guided design system, Squarespace Blueprint, you can select from curated layout and styling options to create a personalized website optimized for every device. Get your website discovered fast with integrated, optimized SEO tools. Plus, make checkout easy for customers with easy-to-use payment tools. And with Squarespace AI, you can explain what your site is about, choose your tone, enter what you need, and get auto-generated text. And that helps you save time. I know I'm sitting on about two literal wheelbarrows filled with horse pics. Now, part of the issue has been is a lot of these pictures are getting stopped at customs because some of them do depict various world leaders in horse-like circumstances that seems to be pinging a lot of these custom agents accounts. Now, so what I've done to do is like, so while I'm trying to work on hand smuggling these horse picks over various country borders, I then also have time because Squarespace is doing all the other ad work for me to go and work on my killdozer at home. So thank you, Squarespace, for allowing me to diversify in the best way possible for this country. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial when you're ready to launch. Go to squarespace.com slash left to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. No matter what kind of work you do, how you communicate is key. All those emails, reports, and presentations are equally important to the collaboration needed to get things done. Grammarly can help. Grammarly is your AI writing partner to help you communicate more effectively and efficiently so you can make a bigger impact at work. And isn't that what matters most? Better writing means a stronger impact. Grammarly works across 500,000 apps and websites. You can't escape it. Like the ever-pervasing octopus of malice that is the NSA. Grammarly is watching your every move, making sure that you're doing it right. Data privacy and security are woven into the foundation of Grammarly, into the very essence of its nature. Grammarly is a secure AI writing partner, and it helps your team make their point and move faster, because that's the key there. Work smarter, not harder. Yes, Grammarly. You know how many times it saves me from writing a long, rambling, one-sentence email at 4 o'clock in the morning to my beloved employees? Makes me sound like someone who doesn't just have a BA in theater. All right? I was taught how to be a tree. I was not taught how to survive as an adult. All right? My job was to cry in front of a weird Southern man who just told me all sorts of weird stuff about my body. I didn't learn how to write. So thank you, Grammarly, because you're making me the boss I gotta be to motivate my team to get out there. And, oh, man, you don't want to mess with them. 
Thanks, Grammarly. Make a bigger impact at work with Grammarly. Sign up and download for free. Grammarly.com slash podcast. That's G-R-A-M-M-A-R-L-Y dot com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Hey, did you know Fast Growing Trees is the biggest online nursery in the U.S. with more than 10,000 different kinds of plants and over 2 million happy customers in the U.S.? They have everything you could possibly want, like fruit trees, palm trees, evergreens, houseplants, and so much more. Whatever you're interested in, they have it for you. Find the perfect fit for your climate and space. That's one of my favorite things about it. Fast Growing Trees makes it easy to order online and your plants are shipped directly to your door in one to two days. And along with their 30-day Alive and Thrive guarantee, they offer free plant consultation forever. Now, personally, I'm in the middle of re-landscaping my yard. I like to do it myself because I called up a landscaper to see how much it costs and it was absolutely insane. Plus, I love dirt. I love getting my hands in the dirt and I love planting things myself. And Fast Growing Trees has given me some wonderful plants that I can use. Like I got this uh, Texas sage, it's purple. I've dug up a whole bunch of horrible bushes and shrubs up in front of my window and in front of my house and put some purple Texas sage up there and it's going to thrive and it's going to look real good. And I didn't even have to go to a nursery to buy it. It came to my house. Now, this spring, they have the best deals online, up to half off on select plants and other deals. And listeners to our show get an additional 15% off their first purchase when using the code LEFT at checkout. That's an additional 15% off at FastGrowingTrees.com using the code LEFT at checkout. FastGrowingTrees.com, code LEFT. Offers valid for a limited time. Terms and conditions may apply. (laughs) Now, the next morning, as far as we know, Strangest was picked up at 8 a.m. And as far as we know, he did go to the Pentagon. And as far as we know, he and Nancy walked through security post after security post without incident. You see, that was what was really weird is that when he showed up at the Pentagon, he walked in. He was like always used to going right for tours at the Pentagon because I guess he'd done many tours at the Pentagon. But this time they went left. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wacky, isn't it? Totally. Isn't that a little weird? It's kind of fucking wacky. It is kind of wacky. It's kind of blow your brains out, fucking crazy ass wacky. That is kind of wacky. Oh, and finally, after walking through an unmarked door, Valiant Thor showed himself with his hand extended, called Strangest by his name, and introduced himself. Sorry there, Strangest. I was sucking my own Venusian penis. (laughs) Hi, I'm Val. No hands needed. Now, Strangest said that what struck him most, besides the skin as soft as a woman's or a baby's, was the fact that Val was wearing earth clothes. Why does that strike him most? Shocking, yeah. It's like when people meet Kissel and they're like, you're not a monster. (laughs) Well, they actually confirm that I am. (laughs) Now, Val, in response to Strangest's surprise at how he was wearing earth clothes, he showed Strangest his Venusian onesie, which Frank said looked like, quote, liquid sunshine. God, he is it sexually is... obsessed with Valiant <laughs> Thor. What the hell does liquid sunshine look like? A Venusian onesie. I just think he, like, saw a Dawn ad for dish soap, <laughs> and it was like, that's liquid sunshine. It's also what Farrah Fawcett used to call her piss. <laughs> uh, I can actually see that. Yeah, when she'd go over to, like, uh-huh. a t- Tony Dunleavy's house, and what's his name? The guy from uh, from uh, The Odd Couple. We'll call him Tony Dunleavy. Yeah, he goes in there and he pisses on his face. (laughs) 
Maybe that's how it does. Walter Matthau. That's Walter Matthau. Walter Matthau, yeah. Now, here is where things get interesting. Now, this meeting happened two years after Val's initial meeting with the president. See, Eisenhower and Nixon, they were all for this plan. He said they loved it. They wanted to put it into action immediately. Gotta do it immediately. It's a gotta do. But the powers that be, including the U.N., thought that if such a plan were to be enacted, no disease, no hunger, etc., mm-hmm. it would throw the world into, quote, the abyss of chaos. What? And faced with rejection. The abyss of chaos, because they would say that it would collapse the entire world's economy, because, of course, if there was no hunger, you remove agriculture from the world completely. And, of course, in 1957, right. we were a much more agrarian culture. And if you get no disease, then, of course, that puts all the health care people out of business. Yeah, and- but we'd have no disease and no hunger. We wouldn't need the health care business or the other business. Well, we then what are you going to do with your life? Yeah. And what are people who work in health care going to do? Dance and sing and feel joy and be with families and right poetry and paint pictures. <laughs> oh, it sounds like a terrible, terrible world. <laughs> yeah, and not only that, but if they cure all disease and if they make hunger a thing of the past, they're going to have to explain how they did it and that yeah. is how they... And that but is aliens! We got aliens to fix all of it! That's yeah, an easy explanation! The aliens think about how they great would... music is during times of trouble. The abyss of chaos, Henry! You're just... Aliens could just come and fix everything! Boom! The boom, abyss! Boom, boom. 1957! People aren't ready yet! Yes, we they are! Have... It's aliens! It's we... easy! We wouldn't have that great song by uh, Bruce Springsteen, The Streets of Philadelphia. That's true, because that was about AIDS. Yeah. (laughs) But the thing is, Val actually had a different motivation for his whole no hunger, no disease plan. He told Frank, the committed Christian, that the real goal was to usher in the return of Jesus Christ mm-hmm. Almighty. Oh, boy. Now, let's think about this for just a second. Okay. And this, you know what? I will think about it maybe for a second. Think One about second. it. Well, I mean, you're going to have to think about it for a little bit because I'm about to talk about it. This, this is my own personal theory here. This is a think about it, don't think about it situation. You can think about it. You can don't think about it. But at the very least, you got to listen. That's right. <laughs> now, let's think about it. The I Bible. Hate, I, can I just say I hate Jesus? Yeah, I hate <laughs> Jesus Christ. The Bible says that Jesus will only return at the end of days, right? In Valiant Thor's plan, we can all be in agreement that it would indeed have thrown the world into chaos, like happy chaos, like the like the moment before everybody jumps on a trampoline. Absolute chaos. An abyss of chaos. An abyss of chaos. Before you it. make the spin on Twister, and you're like, oh, I wonder where, where my foot's gonna go. That kind of chaos. Oh, I crushed Twister, by the way. Really? I can get on all the little holes. Yeah, you just <laughs> lie flat. Yep. <laughs> but let's think about this. Valiant Thor, he brings this gift of no hunger, no disease. He wants to bring back Jesus Christ, which would plunge the world into the abyss of chaos. Could it be that Valiant Thor was actually trying to jumpstart Armageddon as foretold in Revelations, mm-hmm. possibly posing as the Antichrist who promises to save the world, but in actuality ends up ushering in its destruction? To support this theory even more, when strangers asked Thor what he thought of Jesus Christ, Thor implied that Jesus was actually a Venusian, and that when Jesus suddenly appeared to his disciples on the day after his death, seemingly materializing out of nowhere, he was actually using Venusian teleportation technology! Now you're telling me that we need 
to literally, that this is the Christian idea. Yeah. We need to end the world in order to bring back Jesus to fix it. Yeah. This is actually not that insane by Christian lore because they want to kill. That's why they want to murder all the uh, m- Muslims right now. And then uh, that's why we're joining with the Jewish people right now. And then theoretically, we have to fight the Jews and we have to kill the Jews. And then Jesus comes back. What about the, the secret space program? <laughs> I don't know. We lost track. Now we've them. lost track of the secret space program. We're supposed to be going to other parts of galaxies, not bringing back an ancient, dirty old man <laughs> who's going to come here and just be like, kill the Jews and suck my penis. I never got it when I was alive. Oh, dirty oh, old he man. Did. He was our age. Yeah, he was actually kind of younger than us at oh, this point. Oh, fuck. <laughs> yeah, Damn, it's, it's actually sad to think about. Actually, he's about my age. Yeah, and, and Mary Magdalene was blowing him all the time. All the time. Yeah, 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 he wasn't real. And if you are a Christian, that's fine. Thank you for listening. Thank you for we listening. Five stars on iTunes. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, the UN saw right through Valiant Thor's ruse. And three years to the day after his first encounter with the people of Earth, Thor returned to Venus to report that the leaders of Earth had failed him. Now, Valiant Thor, in those three years, what is a part of the, a part of the actual UFO mythos is that he was a part of one of the arms of Majestic 12. He was there as a part of the, the beginnings of the secret space program. He did a lot of cryptic shit. He worked with the OSS. He was a part of the people that helped create Area 51. Mm-hmm. He was around for all of this shit. He became like a consultant yeah. when he was just everywhere. So for a while, he was just like a guy in the background of pictures. Like if you look up Valiant Thor, you see like all of these pictures that look like the end of The Shining where he's like in the background. <laughs> Saying they were like, and that's Valiant Thor. And he was just a part of that, like, weird spook central, like, early 1950s uh, uh, CIA bullshit. Yeah. And the only yeah. thing he wouldn't work on was weapon systems because yeah. they wanted him to work on something they called the bomb in the sky. And of course, if Valiant Thor would have worked on it back then, then we would have had the bomb in the sky. What was the bomb in the sky? The Strategic Defense Initiative, a.k.a. the failed Star Wars program under Ronald oh, Reagan. They were obsessed with idea. that. They've always been, they've been obsessed with it, and that's what they say is a part of where the secret, one of the secret space programs, other, like, weird alternate purposes, is yeah. that it's supposed to be sort of the the umbrella around the world, is that they're supposed to, that's why we have a space well, station on the moon and a space station on Venus, which is to protect ourselves from whatever is going to go on in the galaxy. And that actually ended up happening. Israel has, a, has Star Wars. They yeah. have an amazing... Uh, amazing laser system to shoot down weapons. Was there Princess Leia got to wear a weird little hat? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> now, after Val went to Venus uh, to tell them that the Earth peoples had failed him, he was ordered to return to Earth and was given the following instructions. Mingle with and become as Earth people. Not from Venus. Mm. <laughs> Work and labor in Earth enterprises, such as Enterprise, the rental car company, oh, and Hertz, the rental car company. Help those who encounter possible threat or danger while striving for world peace, including Saddam Hussein, a funny man I met in one of my travels. Give them advice and guidance. Tell them to eat the Twinkie. (laughs) And trust with superior knowledge those who have proven themselves and divulge the essence of their mission to the collective national leaders of Earth only when the time is right. As far as we know, Valiant Thor continues in his mission to this day waiting when the time is right to reveal the essence of his mission to our quote-unquote civilization, lest we destroy the planet, throwing the universe itself into orbital chaos. As soon as Different Strokes is remade on television, <laughs> then I will return. <laughs> well, we're very close. The Odd Couple was remade, See, Different Strokes it's is It's happening. Next. Yeah, this is Remake Central. Wow. 
Now let's jump forward to the year 2001. Whoa! 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 Wait a second, what's that in the sky? Mm. Oh, no, no. Oh, I never should have visited downtown in the fall. <laughs> I think I got taller. Yeah. Now let's see what's currently going on in the world's secret space program. Between February 2001 and March 2002, an English computer nerd named Gary McKinnon hacked into 97 United States military and NASA computers from his girlfriend's aunt's house in London under the screen name Solo. Cool. He had a girlfriend? (laughs) He had a fucking girlfriend. It's very interesting. So from now, right? So Gary McKinnon was kind of sparked into interest of what's going on with the secret space program, and he wanted to hack into the NSA. Up until now, so... We have Serpo's already happened. Sure. Um, we have developed several space stations on the moon and on Venus. This is all because that? that's time going and, oh, and science see. cooking. Um, okay. So a lot of shit's happened, and it's, so we'll go. Let's let's we'll continue on. So yeah. th- that's all you need to know. Which, I, as I was recapping it, is nothing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because you recapped it with a gurgly sound. Yes, because what this is is more proof that the secret space program is a thing. Yeah, is Gary it? McKinnon yeah. is. Person, like yes. it's not like Valiant Thor, where he's kind of in the background of a picture here and there. Like Gary McKinnon actually is a person. He actually did hack into ninety-seven different computers. All of this happened. Oh. Now, U.S. authorities claim that over a period of thirteen months, McKinnon deleted data and disrupted thousands of military computer systems. In addition to copying data, account files. And passwords. This is right. This is but pre and post September 11th. He was doing this until February of 2002. So this hmm. is some serious shit. Now Gary denies any destruction of data, but he did admit to leaving one threat on a military computer, which said, in brief, "U.S. foreign policy is akin to government-sponsored terrorism these days. It was not a mistake that there is a huge security stand down on September 11th last year. I am solo. I will continue to disrupt at the highest levels." You know, I think every member of Anonymous—that's how they hear their voice in their own head. Yes, yeah. <laughs> yes. Like they're they're a guy that's going to tell you they're your quests at the beginning of a fantasy <laughs> ga- fucking game quest. Right, and then it's just like, honey, dinner's ready. Hi, Mom! Mom, I gotta find the fucking gems of Maldavia! I made your favorite little hot dogs covered in bacon? Oh, I'm coming right now! Okay. <laughs> now, despite this message, McKinnon claims that his only objective was to find evidence of UFOs, anti-gravity technology, and the suppression of free energy, as was reported by the Disclosure Project, which is made up of over 500 government, intelligence, and military witnesses who all claim to have had firsthand experiences with the extraterrestrial. Cool. Now, Disclosure Project's really good. We've covered it briefly way in the past on this show, and it's actually a thing to watch. I also just downloaded 883 minutes Ugh. of conferences <laughs> based upon the secret space program, and I've been going through, which is very interesting. But Gary McKinnon got sparked onto this idea from a woman that he he met online who said she worked for NASA, never a straight answer, mm-hmm. and her job was to Photoshop UFOs out of pictures from surveillance from satellites and uh, space shuttles. Right. And yep. when Gary hacked into NASA right. computers, he found the before and after images. And also weird, like, Selena Gomez things that, that had been x-rayed. <laughs> yeah. you, know, you can x-ray clothes on yeah. Photoshop. She's very talented. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, now just go back. Uh, 800 hours? You 883 know? minutes. Minutes. 883 okay. minutes. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to waste my time. Yeah, no, you wouldn't want to do that. Now, the image before it was photoshopped out showed a cigar-shaped object 
floating in the northern hemisphere. Now, Henry, I have to mm. ask you a question right now. Why are <laughs> spacecraft always compared to cigars? Um, because they say that that is the shape that they would need in order to work on their uh, uh, artificial gravity engines. They have to mm. fall like weights. <laughs> and that they are possibly <laughs> listen to me, you fucking assholes. Yeah, no, and that sense. they are possibly the cigar ones are sec- essentially motherships, uh-huh. and that they release liquid forms of ships that mm. are the orbs that we see all the time, and the ones that change shape all the time, mm. or saucers that can start as liquid and then mm. become physical. That can uh. become hard, <sighs> like a drippy. It's a drippy cigar. Huh? Yes, it's a drippy cigar. Thank you. Yes, yeah. that's wow. exactly what it is. You mock me. No, that's no, the truth. It's, it's very, so, uh, yes, it's very Clinton-esque. That's just, that's just the the shape they have to be. Yes, it would be. That's the problem. So when you yeah. see a cigar just entering a big, dark, magenta cavern, that yes. is pictures from Bill Clinton's cell phone. <laughs> yeah, and if uh, you're a gal out there and a guy ever offers to give you a drippy cigar, if you're into it, do it, but just know that you're in for a tobacco-filled vagina. Consent <laughs> first. Oh, yes. And now, you're probably asking yourself right now, this guy, Gary McKinnon, he was on a computer. I mean, he probably wouldn't. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're saying this guy was on a computer. Yeah. So, of course, you couldn't, you know, right-click save as on these NASA files. He says he was so mystified. No, he said he was so bedazzled. Oh. Uh, yes, he was so bedazzled that he forgot that the capture screen function even existed. Huh. And so, but so while he was staring bedazzlingly at the images... His connection was interrupted before he could screen capture, and he was disconnected and was never able to find the images again. So he knows how to hack the 97 very heavily guarded government computers, but he doesn't know how to say. Well, he knows how to, but not, just he not was when. Bedazzled. Yeah, just not when he's bedazzled. It's like he met I the see. mutant Jubilee. <laughs> So he had, and it bedazzled him. Yeah, he had one chance, and then he, he totally it, blew it. It's yeah. literally the only thing that Jubilee would have been useful for, is right. this thing. Maybe she was working for NASA, never a straight answer, Could be. in order to bedazzle people that would hack into the program. Now we're thinking about now it. Now I'm thinking about it a lot. <laughs> wow. Now, Gary McKinnon also said that he, uh, he did have some evidence that he took, which is a list of officers and admirals that they believe are the, the literally the, the heads of the secret space program. Yeah. The, the Navy's, people that are yeah that are on uh, the moon yeah the oh. Navy's space fleet which is interesting is that because the Navy are the ones that are in control of the space fleets that's what they say yeah. that this is what another guy that's, that's what Corey Good said is that the Navy is actually in charge of all of the secret space program shit because the Navy's the oldest branch of the U S military services and they're the ones that are considered the grand protectors of the American people yeah absolutely you ever hmm. seen Star Trek you ever seen Battlestar Galactica absolutely the admirals corporals Skippers? My father was in the Navy. He was and I know for a fact that he was yeah. protecting America drunkenly for two years during the 1960s. In yeah. the Gulf of Mexico. Gr- protecting mm-hmm. Key West. If Jimmy a- Buffett would not be alive today. That's right. Without Zabrowski. <laughs> no. They called him a skipper too, but for many different reasons. Oh, because he just skipped loving his son. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> now, Gary says that he discovered the existence of a secret space program called Solar Warden. Of course, he talked about the eight cigar-shaped motherships. He talked about the orbs, but he also talked about 43 smaller scout ships. And he said there was also several, quote-unquote, non-terrestrial officers and 300 human personnel. Ooh. So one would assume that someone such as Gary 
who actually did hack into 97 computers and actually did disrupt thousands of military systems during a time of war when America was on the highest alert they'd been on since Pearl Harbor, you'd think he would have been prosecuted, right? Mm -hmm. To the fullest extent of the law, right? right? Hmm. But one would be wrong. Uh Uh-oh. Gary was never prosecuted for his crimes and never saw one day in court. Could it be... That the United States just forgave Gary for his crimes? Or could it be that the United States didn't dare risk Gary McKinnon in open court for he may divulge the secret space program that reaches all the way back to the Third Reich? I think they should have just let Gary McKinnon take the stand and let him go and be like, it's like, oh, uh, yeah, uh, oh, no, there's aliens. <laughs> Definitely. Oh, I've seen the pictures. And then come in with a fucking magic umbrella. Um, so do we want to quickly talk about Corey Good and what he discovered? Corey Good is a whistleblower. It just just quickly, because we fa- I literally was deep into research last night, and I was listening to an interview with this man named Corey Good. He was an anonymous whistleblower that was a member of the Secret Space Program for a long time. And I was looking at, at his stuff, and he, basically he had finally came forward on Coast to Coast AM, telling everybody his name, talking to George Norrie, revealing his secrets that he was a part of the secret space program since the age of six he had been lifted from his ch- family he had been surgically altered and now he's here to tell the world the truth or to spread as the people that in the secret space program whistleblowers union that he's a part of it's a whole group it's a They're collective unionized? it's like a collective that they called that they call it um they call it fear porn that he wants mm. to spread his fear porn so that people get into it they're, mm. they're scared of it and they talk about how he was tortured and manipulated and what's going on outside of the spirit but he has a web he has a website called SphereAlliance.com. Mm, SphereBeingAlliance.com. Sorry. Oh, get it right. <laughs> um, and this is one of those, um, I'm wondering if he's right or not <laughs> about aliens. Right, it's like a sure. thing where it's so nuts and so big that I actually wonder if he's the only one who's right. Because yeah. he sounds so crazy. Yes. You know, it's a strange logic you have, Henry, to believe somebody. They just have to be completely nuts, and you're like, maybe they're right. I think he could be on to something. Cool. Now, we're going to read the introduction to SphereBeingAlliance.com. Before you really get into the meat of it, this is an introduction. If you want to follow this man down the rabbit hole, this will give you all the information you need to know. Briefly, what does the website look like? Oh, it's actually pretty good. It's a good one. Bad, yeah, really? By, yeah, by uh, UFO standards, it's actually all, all right. right. But it's- if you go to the Epic uh, Discovery Group, there's the EPIC, which is a guy named Jeff Mars is in there. Like that is full angel fire. Oh, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Now this one is like on par with the International UFO uh, Museum and Research Institute. He had a designer. Yeah, yeah. yeah He's yeah. got capital. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right, let's read this. With all the events occurring, quote-unquote, above above and below, there is a lot of, quote-unquote, information, quote-unquote, disinformation, and competing, quote-unquote, agendas that are all competing for fertile places in our, quote-unquote, consciousness to plant their, quote-unquote, seeds. Some people have chosen to focus on the more, quote-unquote, down-to-earth events and the battles over the, quote-unquote, financial debt system, Babylonian money magic slave system, quote-unquote, financial resets, quote-unquote, financial jubilee, and gifted money to the masses in, quote-unquote, 
prosperity settlements. There is an element of what we call, quote-unquote, the alliance that is fighting the current controlling elite known as the, quote-unquote, cabal or, quote-unquote, Illuminati, among other names down here on Earth at this very moment. Some people have chosen to focus on the more, quote-unquote, esoteric. For now, events and battles occurring above our atmosphere and what many are referencing as the, quote-unquote, secret space programs and, quote-unquote, breakaway civilizations. There is quite a lot of classified technologies that are in use in these, quote-unquote, programs that are being suppressed and could completely change the nature and quality of life of every human being here on Earth. The, quote-unquote, free energy technologies would end the need of the, quote-unquote, current oil, petro, energy companies. The, quote-unquote, frequency and light healing technologies would end the, quote-unquote, current pharmaceutical corporations. The, quote-unquote, neurological interface technologies would end the need for, quote-unquote, large education institutions. And the, quote-unquote, food replication technologies and the, quote-unquote, environmental purification and restoration technologies would end poverty, starvation, and begin to reverse the damage humanity has done to the Earth virtually overnight. As you can imagine, the real threat to disclosure is not that humanity cannot handle the truth or will be able to reconcile quote-unquote cosmic life with their religious beliefs. The real reason is that these technologies would immediately collapse the world economies and make the quote-unquote Babylonian money magic slave system of no use anymore. It means the quote-unquote loss of control of the 0.01% elite over the quote-unquote masses and a complete quote-unquote paradigm change. In short, it means quote-unquote freedom. Freedom for the first time in humanity's quote-unquote known recorded history. There has been a quote-unquote stealth civil war going on amongst quote-unquote SSP groups for a while to achieve this result. Relatively recently, quote-unquote SSP alliance was joined by a group of quote-unquote beings that no one had encountered before. They are a sixth to ninth density group of beings that have been referred to as the quote-unquote the Sphere Alliance. These new quote-unquote sphere beings have since not only created a quote-unquote energetic blockade around Earth, but have done so around our entire solar system. They are a non-violent group of beings who brought assistance mainly in the form of a quote-unquote message. Ben, what is that message? I think you guys are really good at that. (laughs) But he also says he ran into, there's going to be five more beings that are going to be introduced to us, and one of them is the blue avians, blue avians, which are giant birds. Hey, all right. And they're a bunch of orbs. (laughs) That's amazing. He also says that we were created by 22 human-like species and 22 non-human-like species. Yeah, we've already covered that. Yeah, we actually did already cover that. I think that was the Pleiadians. Yeah, and we covered it in this episode alone again. Well, you I mean, gotta we, keep covering it yeah, because people are not absorbing. I know it. You gotta understand the information. You gotta let this shit fucking roll around in your brain like it does for me, keeping me o- awake for hours. Mostly last night. keeping your girlfriend awake. She mm-hmm. sleeps soundly uh, <laughs> while I just pace the floors. You just see her eyes getting bugged out like Stimp, like Ren from Ren and Stimpy, yeah. just constantly wanting to strangle you. So that's right. it, man. That God. is the secret space program. Lordy that is Lou. awesome. Well, I mean, that is a tiny sliver, a fraction right. of a fraction of the secret space program. These are just two little stories. These are two chapters in the world of the secret space program lore. And do yourself a favor and watch all 883 minutes of this, <laughs> uh, the no. secret space program uh, re- revelation videos in Vimeo. Well, you know what? You don't even have to do that. You could also just go out there, have a nice dinner, find a love, whatever it yeah, is. Yeah, don't be burdened by the truth. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I, I just want to thank everyone. We want to thank everyone for coming out to our live show last week in Los Angeles. Oh, God damn it. Los Angeles. That was one of the best crowds we've ever performed in front of. You guys out in Los Angeles are all fucking amazing. Thank you so much for coming out. Uh, thanks for uh, all of the cool shit oh that God. we got. Like, you guys are fucking amazing. Thank you so, so very yeah, much. Yeah, to Mary and Pepe, who did our uh, merch for us, they're oh, incredible. You. We love them. Everybody else that we met, it's just everybody great. It was yeah, a yeah. really wonderful night. Yeah, I thank you to the real players for opening up yeah. for us. Thank you to Wheezy for putting the whole thing together. You guys are fantastic. Thanks for taking me to BJ's. Um, which was a great chain restaurant, and I loved it. I got a little, a little mini deep dish pizza. I don't want to thank Jennifer O'Neill for creating that amazing oil painting of the three of us, which Un- took a lot of work. And also, I believe her nude breasts are in it. Yes. Is that hers? I think so. Her breasts, but not her nipples. Whoa, what happened to her nipple? I think you're the one who ate them. <laughs> I would, Parks. I would vote for Marcus. Yes. Yeah. And, of course, uh, we've got another live show coming up in Baltimore on August 19th. Go to uh, cavecomedyradio.com yep. uh, and click on live events to get a uh, link to uh, the Baltimore show. Uh, we're almost sold out on that one, so get your tickets now. It's coming up real soon. The Cowmen are going to be playing Ooh. that show as well. It's going to be super fucking cool. That's right. And Holden's lost a little bit of weight. Of course, you know Holden from the Roundtable of Gentlemen, another great show here. So we'll see how many buttons pop open on his shirt. Oh, actually, not that many anymore. Interesting. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just go ahead and say, let's just say less. Wow, wow, that's incredible. We'll just say less. And if you want to, and of course, uh, thank you to everybody that's given on the Patreon. You guys are so fucking amazing. Go to patreon.com slash lastpodcast on the left if you uh, feel like we deserve a a little bit of cash for what we do here. Uh, Thanks to everyone so far who has donated. And of course, we thank anyone in the future that donates as well. Absolutely. And uh, we mentioned the shows a little bit, but listen to uh, Abling Top Hat for politics news. It's very fun. And uh, the Lucky Bone Show for music. Yeah. Round table of gentlemen. Page another uh, sex and other human activities. Page seven. Yeah, uh, go to uh, go to mixcloud.com slash lucky or slash Marcus Parks to listen to the Lucky Bone Show. Also, uh, I'm I'm working on a cartoon with Andrew Parker. So is Ben Ooh. Kissel. So is Ed Larson. So, so we're going to be putting out uh, putting that out soon called Crypta, and uh, we will let you know about that in the future because we're going to be trying to raise some money to get the pilot going. All right, and follow Henry on Instagram at uh, what was it, Doctor Fantasty? Yes. And then on Twitter, you're at Henry Loves You. Marcus Parks is just at Marcus Parks for both. I'm at Ben Kissel one on Instagram and Ben Kissel on Twitter, and of course, go to the Facebook. Facebook group and uh, you know just enjoy the madness of that. Yeah, absolutely. I guess it's total madness. Yeah, it has. Well, we've got to, we've got hired like two mods. We yeah. hired them. Yeah, I mean they're. We said they could do it. Experience. <laughs> it's about having the experience. It is. Yeah. Um, hail Satan. Hail yourselves. Hail Gain. Hail me now. Do it now. Do it now. Unless you're driving. Yeah. Do it now. Yeah. <laughs> but before you do that. Oh, and of course, July 23rd, the live show right here at the Creek in the Cave. Sold out, but come on out. Yeah, seriously, even though it's sold out, we're, we hang out at the bar afterwards naturally. So come on, hang out. Yeah, we're fucking here. We're problems. We have problems. Drinking problems. Big problems. <laughs> For more shows like the one you just listened to, go to cavecomedyradio.com. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific time, only on Netflix.
The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.